Bible Interact is a group of Bible scholars and biblical archaeologists who promote the Hebraic nature of Scripture and view the two Testaments as one unified message. They explain how they use a first-century approach to searching the Scriptures, and they share their methods and discoveries for discussion and dialogue. They invite your comments and participation on BibleInteract.tv, where you can also find more teachings, self-study quizzes, webinars, and interviews. Shalom. I am Dr. Ann Davis with Bible Interact, and today I would like to take you to what appears to be a troubling passage, and I'm going to show you how there is a citation in that troubling passage, what you do with the citation, and how you respond the way the people of ancient Israel would have responded. I'm taking you to Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 10. If you have your Bibles, you can open there. We're going to be doing a lot in the Bible. If you have the Bible, go ahead and open it. If not, don't worry, I'll, I'll read from the Bible. We hear Yeshua saying, Do not think, I'm in verse 34, Matthew 10:34. Do not think that I came to bring peace on the earth. I did not come to bring peace but a sword. Now immediately we are troubled, or we should be troubled by this, this statement, because God is shalom, God is peace, and he is in the process of bringing peace to the earth. So why would Yeshua say, I uh, do not think that I came to bring peace on the earth, I did not come to bring peace but a sword. And then what follows is a citation from Micah. Now your Bible, you should have a good Bible that, that identifies this as a, as a translation from the Hebrew Scriptures. Mine is in small capital letters. I use the New American Standard Version because it it attempts to be as close a translation to the original as possible. It also, if you get the reference edition, it has good um, notes in the middle margin that will send you back to where these these uh, uh, citations um, occur. And I can see it because it's in these small capital letters. And Yeshua continues, For I came to set a man against his father, and a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a man's enemies will be the members of his household. Wow. You know, I was working on this passage a number of years ago, and uh, I'm a member of Rotary, and I was in the Rotary meeting, and, and another Rotarian was the uh, minister of one of our local churches, and I was talking with him, and I said, I'm so excited because I, I, I understand now, I understand what this is all about. And his comment to me is, oh, that's a passage we never talk about. <laughs> so you need to be drawn in to these troubling passages and know what to do with them. Now the first thing you need to do is look at the context in which this verse appears in the New Testament in the Gospel of Matthew. And if you look at the context, you have to go all the way back to the beginning of chapter 10. And Yeshua has summoned his 12 disciples. And then he's sending the disciples out, um, and he's instructing them what to do when, when they go out. He's instructing them, you know, do not go in the way of the Gentiles, and do not enter any city of the Samaritans. And, and then he says, you know, whoever does not receive you, nor heed your words as you go out of that house or that city, shake off the dust of your feet. So this is the concept. And, and then he's giving instruction to these disciples. You know, I send you out as sheep in the midst of 
of wolves. Therefore be shrewd as serpents and innocent as doves. And and then he goes on, now, what is this discipleship? I, I need to instruct you disciples because I'm sending you into the world and it's going to be tough. And then in verse 24, a disciple is not above his teacher nor a slave above his master. It is enough for the disciple that he become as his teacher. So disciples, you want to act like I act. You, you want to make me your mentor. Do what I do. This is the context. He's talking to disciples. Now, I want to point out that you are a disciple if you have submitted to Yeshua as your Lord and Master. That is what makes you a disciple. It simply means a follower, a follower of Yeshua. If you have not made Yeshua Lord in your life, then you're trying to be your own boss. If you're trying to be your own boss, you are not a disciple. My my suspicion, my suggestion is that those who are listening to this program are probably disciples and, and you know, accept it. <laughs> You know, you're you're a disciple if you've submitted in humble obedience to your Lord Yeshua. So Yeshua is talking only to disciples. He's not talking to all believers in Christ. I mean, he's 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 talking here to Jews, but the Jews are his disciples. So we can extend that to all disciples of Yeshua. Now, <clears throat> the next thing we do is we look in the middle margin to see where where this citation occurs. What is he citing? Well, he's citing from the book of Micah. So you you have to, you know, you you have to keep your finger here in Matthew because we're going back and forth. And um, and then and then you have to turn to Micah. And it's going to be, let's see, I'm turning to Micah right now. It's going to be in chapter 7, Micah chapter 7, verse, let me start in verse 5. Here's Micah. Here's Micah talking to the to the Jews. Do not trust in a neighbor. Do not have confidence in a friend. From her who lies in your bosom, guard your lips. For son treats father contemptuously, daughter rises up against her mother, daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, a man's enemies are the men of his own household. That's what's been cited. We still don't understand it because we're not thinking with a first century mind. The people of the first century did not have books. They memorized scripture. They memorized the holy writings from the time they were small children. When Yeshua cited from the book of Micah, the memorized portion would have flashed in their mind. So we have to try to identify the memorized portion. We'll never know for sure what the memorized portion was, but you just look in its context here in Micah, and you've probably hit the memorized portion. Now, I suggest that Micah is a very small book, and um, it only it has seven chapters, that, that what would have flashed in their minds would have not only been the memorized passage, which I'll show you in just a minute, but the whole book of Micah. The concept of Micah would have flashed before their eyes because the concept of Micah is very explicit and very easy to see. Micah goes back and forth between very strong language of judgment and all of a sudden he shifts to this wonderful restoration in the future, things are going to be wonderful, and zip back to judgment again. Man, they're doing awful things and they're sinning and God is going to bring all these bad things on them and then suddenly zip 
comes the restoration. Oh, it's going to be so wonderful, and do you want to be there? And if you want to be there, whoops, back to the judgment, because if you want to be there, you've got to stop sinning. So here comes the strict language of judgment again before it returns to restoration. So this is what really would have flashed in the minds of the people who were hearing Yeshua speak, and the people were the disciples, and they were listening to him speak, and of course it's now recorded in the Gospel of Matthew, and we can all read it, but we have to understand that the words are spoken to disciples. Now, you have to understand what's happening in Micah. Why is it going back and forth between judgment and restoration? What's happening? Well, Micah was a prophet who lived at the time that the Assyrians were approaching. The Assyrians were a powerful group of people who lived up in what is today Iraq. It was the land between the two rivers, Mesopotamia. You know, we call it Babylon, but it's it's that that area. And one powerful empire after another would rise and conquer and then and there were two power centers. There was the power center in Mesopotamia, and then there was the other power center in Egypt. So the one in Mesopotamia was constantly going down to try to get Egypt, and they had to pass through Israel. In Egypt, they were constantly coming up north and passing through Israel. So Israel was, was a, um, a flashpoint between these two power centers. So at the time that, that uh, Micah was living, he was uh, living in the northern kingdom of Israel, whose capital was at Samaria, and the Assyrians were approaching. And he starts with the language of judgment. Now, first of all, let me show you how the Assyrians were approaching and, and the prophecy that he gives. I'm in Micah 1, verse 6, and he's speaking for God. God is speaking through the mouth of Micah. I will make Samaria a heap of ruins in the open country, planting places for a vineyard. I will pour her stones down into the valley and will lay bare her foundations. So Micah is saying the Assyrians are going to come and they're going to overthrow you, northern kingdom. But then he goes on, he says, Judah, you southern kingdom, you're not going to escape. And in verse 1-9 we read, For her wound is incurable, for it has come to Judah. The wound is the sin, you know, the living in a sinful way. That living in a sinful way has come to Judah. It has reached the gate of my people, even to Jerusalem. Now the Assyrians didn't uh, conquer Jerusalem. It wasn't until later the Babylonians came in. But the prophecy still holds, because that is going to happen. Now we shift into, that. that's the historical background, and it gives it in the book of Micah, the historical background. Now we shift into this switching back between judgment and restoration. So, um, I mean, the judgment is, is, is pretty strong. Woe to those who scheme iniquity, who work out evil on their beds. When morning comes, they do it, for it is in the power of their hands. They cover fields and, and then seize them. You know, they're taking other people's things, and they're sleeping with harlots, and they're doing all these terrible things. And God is going to come in, and he's going to let the Assyrians destroy Samaria, and even Judah is not going to be rescued. And then, all of a sudden, it shifts to restoration. And I and I'll show you that. It's in uh, chapter 2, verse 12. And God is, is, continues to speak, and it's, it's, it's um, written in poetic Hebrew poetry, and it's, it's with rhythm and emotion, but it's entirely different. It's some, God has, is judging you now because you're sinning. Just turn to me, and if you turn to me, 
Look, you're, you're going to be here with me in this future. We read in verse 12, I will surely assemble all of you, Jacob, meaning the, the children of Israel. I will surely gather the remnant of Israel. So he's going to gather all of Israel, and then he's going to select a remnant. I will put them together. This is talking about the remnant. I will put them, the remnant, together like sheep in the fold, like a flock in the midst of its pasture. They will be noisy with men. So this remnant is, go is going to be really noisy, and the enemy's going to hear it. It's going to hear this, this remnant army of God coming, and it's, it's noisy, and they've got their swords in their hands, and they're coming to fight the enemy. The breaker goes up before them, before the remnant. They break out, pass through the gate, and go out by it. So their king goes on before them and the Lord at their head. So it's a definitely a battle. The king is leading them. It's a noisy, they've got, you know, they're shouting and, and so forth. And, and they have a king at their head. But there is a word that has been repeated, and you have to let your curiosity be drawn to it. The breaker goes out before them. They break out, pass through the gate, and go out by the gate. All right. The breaker is one who breaks through. But what you have to do, you have to work these passages. You have to use a concordance to see where it is first used. And it is first used in Genesis 28:14. So keep your, your finger in, in, uh, in Micah and turn to Genesis 28:14 and wait till you hear this one. All right. The Hebrew word is peretz. And um, let's see, 28, I'm in 28, 14. All right, God says to Jacob in his dream, your de this is a prophecy of future, your descendants shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread out, that's our word, parets, you shall spread out, you shall break forth, and, and in breaking forth, you're spreading out in this large army that's making all this noise to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south, and in you and in your descendants shall all the families of the earth be blessed. So what we're getting here in Micah is an image of the end of times, and it's, it's a remnant, it says here in Micah, it's a remnant, and there, and it's, it's the um, descendants of, of Jacob who will be like the sand on the seashore, the stars in the sky. Now, it's not just the remnant who will be saved. The remnant have a role to play to defeat the enemy, and then God calls all of his people, and then comes the decision about salvation. Um, but this is moving between judgment and restoration, and, and this is a restoration. In the, it's in the future, and it's talking about that prophecy that, that the descendants will be as sand on the seashore, and they're going to have a king at their head, and they're going to break forth, and they're going to spread out, and they're going to defeat the enemy. And then all of a sudden, you shift back to judgment. And let me just read you, let's see, chapter 3, verse 6. Okay. Uh, therefore it will be night for you without vision and darkness for you without divination. The sun will go down on the prophets and the day will become dark over them. The seers will be ashamed and the diviners will be embarrassed. Indeed, they will all cover their mouths because there is no answer from God. So this, this um, judgment now is going on in chapters 3, verse 1 to 12. And then guess what? 
all of a sudden we hit the restoration again. The restoration is chapter 4, verse 1 to 515. So let me read some of this restoration. It's really beautiful. It's in Micah. I'm going to be in 4, verse 1. It will come about in the last days. That's our key that says this is something future that the mountain of the house of the Lord will be established as the chief of the mountains. It will be raised above the hills and the peoples will stream to it. Now I think the people streaming to it is after the remnant does their um, their job uh, to defeat the enemy. Then the people will, will stream into Jerusalem. And then in, in verse 3, let's see, we read, oh this is the famous verse. Uh, they will hammer their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not lift up sword against nation and never again will they train for war. So this is a time of complete peace and this is probably the final end of times after the remnant has defeated Satan. It's, it's the final end of times. By the way, I have come to the conclusion that the Millennial Kingdom is for the remnant and it's their final preparation before the battle. And you can see the battle that occurs after the Millennial Kingdom when Satan is loosed for a while and God comes down. And I have one more here about this restoration. It's in chapter 5, verse 7. Then the remnant of Jacob. So here Micah keeps talking about the remnant. The remnant, the remnant, the remnant. And I think this is important because um, when we get back to Matthew, I think Yeshua is talking to the disciples about saying, you know, do you want to be part of the remnant? If you want to be part of the remnant, you're going to have to do do these things to, you know, to walk in righteousness. So I'm in Micah chapter 5, verse 7. The remnant of Jacob will be among many peoples like dew from the Lord. Many peoples mean many nations. In other words, it's going to be Jews and Gentiles will we'll make, we'll make up the remnant. Like showers on vegetation which do not wait for man or delay for the sons of men, of men. And the remnant of Jacob will be among the nations, among many peoples. So this remnant that's going to be made up of Jews and Gentiles is going to go out and they're going to wage war. And they're going to be like a lion among the beasts of the forest, like a young lion among flocks of sheep, which if he passes through, tramples down and tears, and there is none to rescue. All right, your hand will be lifted up against your enemies, and all your enemies will be cut off. That's the remnant fighting that final battle that occurs after the millennial kingdom. And then we switch back to judgment. The judgment is in chapter 5, verses 2. 10 to 6, 5, and let's see, I was going to read, where am I, how am I doing on time? Yeah, I can do it, okay. Um, I'm going to read um, in Judgment, chapter 5, verse 10. It will be in that day, declares the Lord. And again, that's that clue. You know, it will be in that day, this is future, that I will cut off your horses from among you and destroy your chariots. I will also cut off the cities of your land and tear down all your fortifications. Woo! We're in judgment. And then guess what? <laughs> we we go back to re restoration. Now, um, or... And the restoration, let's see, I wanted, that's in chapter 6, verses 6 to 8. And let me just read um, verse 6-6. Uh, six, six. What shall I come, with what shall I come to the Lord and bow myself before the Lord on high? Shall I come to him with burnt offerings, with 
with yearling calves. Now this part I feel is restoration because it's giving instruction to those disciples. This is what you have to be to be there at the time of the remnant. And then if you look here at 6.8, um, what does the Lord require of you? All right, you disciples, your disciples, you have made Yeshua Lord in your life. But to be there with the remnant, you have to be more than a disciple. You have to be a dedicated disciple. And what what do you do? What does the Lord require? Do justice. All right, so that you know what is right and what is wrong. And you always do justice. Uh, to love kindness. All right, so you pour out your love not only on God's people, but with discrimination on those who are not God's people, and walk humbly with your God. And so I put that into the restoration because it's giving um, instruction to the disciples. And then zip, it goes right back into judgment again, and that's uh, chapter 6, 9 to 7, 6. Now, where is our verse? Our verse that Yeshua has cited is in 7, 6. So the verse that Yeshua has cited is in a judgment section of Micah. It's in the judgment section. Look, times are going to get really tough. Don't trust your neighbor. Don't have confidence in a friend. It's going to get really, really, really tough. Son is going to treat father contemptuously. Daughter is going to rise up against her mother. Daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies are the men of his own household. Things are going to get really tough. I think we can probably identify or associate this with the the great tribute, the period of the tribulation. Um, Times are going to get really tough. And then all of a sudden it shifts back to that redemption. And you have to, you can't stop here. You have to see this verse in Micah in its contest because all of a sudden it shifts into that redemption. But as for me, and this is what the people, they would have heard it. You know, there are going to be these tough times and, and Yeshua is talking to his disciples and he says, look, you're going to have tough times as disciples, but as for me, and that, and you need to say that to yourself, as for me, 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 myself, I will watch expectantly for the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. So even though times are tough, you stand. You stand for God. Because you know that the future is is going to end the tribulation. You know it's going to be a period of restoration. Because that's what follows the judgment, is the restoration. And that's the context of this citation, going back and forth between judgment and restoration. The citation is a judgment. It's talking to disciples. It's telling you, disciples, you know, this, this is what I want you to do. What does the Lord require? Do justice, to love kindness, to walk humbly in your God. And when these times of trouble come, as for me, I will watch expectantly for the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. Now, at this point, we return to our passage in Matthew. I didn't hold my finger there, so I've got to find it. Matthew chapter 10. All right. So what is happening here is we get this citation. I, I, uh, let's see. I did not come to bring peace but a sword, for I came to set a man against his father, a mother against her, a daughter against her mother, and so forth. 
Yeshua is saying, you disciples, you're going to be with me during these terrible times. But it's going to, but if you stand, if you stand firm, if, if, you know, as for me, I will keep, wait expectantly for, for my God and I will, I will, he know, I know he hears me. I'm going to stand firm. And if you know how to do that, you will be with me at the time of the final battle. You will be part of the remnant. You will be with me at, at the time of the battle. Um, and, and he's giving instruction for now. What do we do now? How do we stand now? And in Matthew, it continues, He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. We've got to put all our love in Yeshua. We have to totally submit to him. And that's what, and, and that's a disciple, but he's, prepared, he's, you know, out of, not all the disciples are going to be in the remnant. And God is going to select those who are, are, will totally submit and obey to the Lord because he is the king at the head of the, at the battle and um, he's the breaker who will break through the gates. And if you're not prepared to totally submit to him and obey, then you are not ready to be part of the remnant. That doesn't mean you're not going to be saved because after the remnant does its job, after the millennial kingdom, it does its job to defeat Satan, then God will call all of his people to to him and there will be a final judgment, but um, but it has nothing to do with, with whether you're going to be part of the remnant or not. So um, with that, I'm going to have to leave you, but I think I've left you with plenty of things to think about and what to do when you see a citation. Go back to the Hebrew Scriptures and read it in its context. Shalom.